share cancer support, this is Our MBC Life, a podcast dedicated to exploring life with metastatic breast cancer from the perspective of us, the people living with this disease, and the experts who partner with us to help make our lives better. I'm Lisa Laudico. Welcome. So glad you're here, since no one should face MBC alone. In September, our NBC Life is talking to individuals and organizations who are raising money and supporting metastatic breast cancer research. I'm Ann Woodward, one of the Our NBC Life team living with metastatic breast cancer. As individuals, many of us support and advocate for these and other organizations. However, as a podcast, we are not soliciting for or endorsing any specific organization by inviting them on the pod. We are advocates for NBC research and for more money to be dedicated to that cause as well as providing support services to those with MBC. As a podcast, we want to use our platform to raise awareness and highlight many organizations doing this important work. As individuals, we must all decide what organizations fit with our own values and objectives. These organizations vary in how they raise funds, allocate funds, and set strategic priorities. Our community is vast and varied in approach, but united in the cause of promoting research and awareness for MBC. When we interview nonprofits, we will always include in our episode notes links to sites like Charity Navigator that evaluate these organizations and other relevant information to help you determine what groups are the best fit for you. On this episode, I'm so excited to speak with Dr. Dorea Al-Ashri, the Chief Scientific Officer for the Breast Cancer Research Fund, or BCRF. BCRF was started in 1993 by Evelyn Lauder and Dr. Larry Norton to prevent and cure breast cancer by advancing the world's most promising research. The Breast Cancer Research Fund is now the largest private funder of NBC Research. Every year, BCRF allocates 40% of all grants to be focused on NBC. Just this year alone, BCRF has dispersed over $27 million to NBC Research. The range of research projects funded, including some we will learn about more today, cover the basic biology of how a breast cancer cell develops the ability to spread throughout the body, or discovering biomarkers that can predict which cancers are most likely to spread, and the development of new therapies to treat and prevent metastasis. Since 2013, BCRF has also committed $31 million for the Evelyn H. Lauder's Founder Fund, a global multi-year program dedicated to NBC research. We'll also learn more about the excited projects that the Founders Fund is supporting. Prior to her appointment as the CSO for BCRF, Dr. El Ashri was the Associate Professor of Laboratory Medicine and Pathology at the University of Minnesota Masonic Cancer Center, and before that was the Associate Professor of Medicine at the University of Miami Sylvester Comprehensive Cancer Center the Assistant Professor of Internal Medicine at the University of Michigan, and Assistant Professor of Oncology at Georgetown University Lombardi Cancer Center. She graduated from Vanderbilt University, received her PhD in Experimental Pathology from the University of Colorado Health Sciences Center, and performed her postdoc training at the Lombardi Cancer Center. In her role as the Chief Scientific Officer at BCRF, Dr. El Ashri works with the Foundation's Scientific Advisory Board to establish the vision and priorities for the year. 
selecting the researchers, and managing all scientific aspects of the BCRF portfolio of grants. It is an incredible responsibility. But like so many of us, Dr. El Ashri also has a personal connection to NBC. So Dr. El Ashri, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here today and I'm very much looking forward to our conversation. Wonderful. Well, in a recent podcast that we uh, released already, we interviewed Dr. Nancy Lin, one of the many oncologist researchers that are funded by the BCRF. And she stressed how important it is for oncologists and researchers to hear patient stories. Likewise, patients appreciate hearing about the personal motivations of doctors and researchers who choose to tackle MBC. So what motivated you to become a breast cancer researcher? Well, I'm the daughter of a scientist, and so science was very big in our house, and I knew in grade school even that that is what I wanted to do was something in science. When I was in grade school, we announced the war on cancer, and I thought, oh, okay, that's what I'll do. We'll find a cure for cancer. And obviously, as you go through school and go through biology and more classes, you learn that cancer is not a single disease. It's, in fact, many diseases of those organs. And then even what we know today is even something like breast cancer is many different diseases within that. And so in college then, my two best friends both had mothers who were, one had just died from breast cancer, metastatic breast cancer, and the... um, other one was going through treatment with recurring metastases over the years that we were in college. And, and so being with them and understanding what they went through with their mothers doing this, that is when I decided that it would be breast cancer that I would like to then do research in and have a research career. And so then I went to graduate school and got my PhD in pathology because that's the study of human diseases, how diseases occur, what makes them go, and did my PhD thesis work then in breast cancer and have been my entire career then in breast cancer research and now as the chief scientific officer of the Breast Cancer Research Foundation. That's fantastic. Well, not fantastic that you've had an introduction or a firsthand account to what metastatic breast cancer can do, but fantastic that you chose to, to, join, the, to join the research in this area. So we appreciate that. You know, obviously over the years, I've had both relatives, but also close friends and even colleagues then who have had breast cancer, been treated for breast cancer, some we've lost to breast cancer. And so those have always been continuing and enduring motivations to pursue the research and hopefully make an impact in breast cancer. And I understand that you actually took your research focus and you, and you put it into the mechanisms of estrogen receptor negative breast cancer, also the role of the tumor microenvironment and metastases. So do you miss being directly involved in that work? Well, I think, I think a couple things. The bulk of my career was spent on uh, mechanisms of estrogen receptor negative breast cancer with the idea that with estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, we had hormonal treatments that could work for these types of breast cancer. And if we could make ER negative breast cancer, which is more often called today triple negative breast cancer, a more aggressive form of breast cancer, make it 
restore its estrogen receptor expression and the biology that went with that, that we could perhaps make it into a less aggressive cancer that had, you know, better treatments for it. And so I think that in that respect, I brought that work to a, a series of fruition before, you know, moving into the tumor microenvironment. And so that I think is, is I left at a place you know, that, that, that was good. I think for the tumor microenvironment work and for that work that's continuing, I, when I came to BCRF, I had grants that were active and um, had been awarded. And so um, on the side, then back in Minnesota, that work is actually still going on. And so while I'm here in New York and fully immersed in my role as chief scientific officer and all that goes with that. The lab is back there still pursuing that work. And so there is still that touchstone to it. And I think that that helps. I think that helps in two ways. It continues to validate the experience and expertise that I bring to the CSO position, as well as touchstones to things that our researchers and investigators are undergoing. And then for the transition, as those grants finish out, it also then adds the ability to see those to fruition and not feel like I walked away from what could have been not only research that postdocs and junior scientists were doing, but also research that might ultimately have an impact when it comes to fruition. So you just mentioned that the research that you've been involved in, I think it was with the estrogen receptor expression and the response, the responses to anti-estrogen therapies and what happens in, in that trajectory of treatment. It's still going on in Minnesota. Where, what's the current status of the, of the research that you started and that you were involved in? Is, is there a, is there, is there, are they at a, a place, a fork in the road in their research, or is it still, it's still on the same timeline as when you left a year ago or so? Yeah, so the, the research that's still going on in the lab in Minnesota is all around finding we had about specific cells within the tumor microenvironment. These are normal cells that surround and support the breast cancer and the primary tumor. And we had found that a specific cell from the tumor microenvironment leaves with the primary breast cancer cells and enters the circulation. And in fact, in the circulation, these specific tumor microenvironment cells actually help the cancer cells survive, help them take up residence in the distant organ, and then help them grow as the metastasis. And so the work that's ongoing in these funded grants revolves around two angles. One is a treatment therapeutic angle, which is to try a novel drug approach to eliminate the specific cell type to essentially cut the legs out from under the cancer cells. And, and then with a second hit, actually destroy the cancer cell as well. And then on the other side is some more basic research at can following these cells in the circulation as a measure of a liquid biopsy kind of a a test provide important information about risk of metastasis and as well as potential therapeutic options. And so that work is continuing for those, those funded grants. Uh, it sounds, sounds fascinating and exciting, actually. Uh, I think that's a really interesting line of inquiry. I look forward to hearing more about it. To, to pivot a little bit back to BCRF specifically, BCRF is an incredibly important funder of MBC research, right? It's one of the, it is the largest, I believe, private or non-governmental funder here in the U.S. 
How do you, as the Chief Scientific Officer and the BCRF Scientific Advisor, and with this, the BCRF Scientific Advisory Board structure, how do you evaluate the potential research projects? And what do you look for in, in a grant application? BCRF is the largest nonprofit funder of breast cancer research, but also of metastatic breast cancer research. So for the last 10 years, metastatic breast cancer research has comprised at least a third, um, if not more, of our investment portfolio. And for example, in this last year of the $66 million given out in research grants, metastatic breast cancer research comprised a little over 40% of that investment. And so it is a um, significant priority for BCRF. And the way that the research awards and their evaluations are structured for metastatic breast cancer fall along two lines. So we have in our we have in our annual award program a whole portfolio of grants that are investigating metastatic breast cancer. And in the annual award program, the way these awards are structured is that investigators are invited to submit their ideas. We have a vision from BCRF that the bringing together the best minds and in established and leading investigators in breast cancer and giving them this funding, it allows them the freedom to pursue novel and out-of-the-box ideas. And so investigators are invited to submit proposals. The Scientific Advisory Board meets then once a year to review those proposals. They also review progress reports from the previous year's work and both progress and then the innovation, the potential for impact in both the field of breast cancer as well as on patients are evaluated in the progress reports and the new proposals. And then a decision is made about supporting this next year's award. The other path for funding of metastatic breast cancer research at BCRF is with the Evelyn H. Lauder Founders Fund for Metastatic Breast Cancer. And along that line, that was set up in 2013 and was put together with a team of leading investigators in breast cancer research, metastatic breast cancer research, to investigate then very specific aspects of metastatic breast cancer. So with that first line, not the Evelyn Lauder Founders Fund, which is really amazing and and it's so important, in that first line of, of funding, does it happen very often where you get a progress report from a grantee and then you decide as a, as a uh, review board, as the scientific advisory board decides that we're not going to fund this particular line of inquiry further because the progress report isn't quite meeting our criteria for this particular fiscal year? I'm just curious to see how, if that, ever, if that ever happens, and if it does, what were the factors, if you can talk about it? It'd be very interesting to hear. Right. It's not that it can never happen. It might, but the chances of that are relatively low. The investigator pool within BCRF is of such a high level of both research, but also impact in the field and are all established investigators. And the idea behind that is when they submit their proposal and it could be an innovative idea, but that they have 
within both their capacity as an investigator, but also their lab and their collaborations, the ability to pivot, either pivot completely to something new because of something that came out of that research or just pivot the angle. And so more often than not, when we get these progress reports, they have progress. They might not have been the progress along the very original idea line, mm -hmm. but we have progress and sufficient progress that you know, it's deemed that these are gonna continue. On the rare cases where, for whatever reason, it could be a clinical trial that just wasn't able to accrue patients. And so if you ultimately can't get patient accrual, you can't pursue down that line of investigation. Or it was just an idea that didn't work and seemingly couldn't get it to a place that could work. And then under those circumstances, it's decided that that investigator will be transitioned off and will be given uh, one year of reduced funding to sort of bring the work to fruition and be able to garner other support for their, for their research. But I will say that the vision of which BCRF was founded on really makes it so that progress moves and it might not be along the originally proposed lines, but it, it, it gets pivoted and progress is made. We did recently institute five-year impact reviews because in one year, progress can be hard to measure, right? So you might've had to develop an entirely new assay to even start asking questions and the progress is getting the assay developed, but you haven't been able to answer any questions about it yet. That is progress because it was needed to move things forward, but it's hard to sometimes measure progress in just a year. So we instituted these five-year impact reviews with the idea that over five years time, we could get a picture not only on progress on the research, but what the impact of this progress has been, been on the field, been on moving things into the clinic or on patient lives. And we just went through this last winter, the first round of those five-year mm. um, impact reviews. And these were on the investigators who have been funded the longest, so well over five years. Mm -hmm. And for these investigators, then we also asked them for what their beyond five-year long-term impact was. And down to all 40 of them that we had in this first round, the impact was amazing. I mean, it was just tremendous. And we are currently putting this into a brief on the 27 years of impact of sustained funding for breast cancer research, and that the biggest outcomes that we know of in breast cancer have come from a lot of this work. And a lot of this work that evolved over many years, but it was the building of that many years of research, many years of answering questions, and many years of collaboration to move things forward that then resulted in these significant impacts. Well, I look forward to seeing that report because I think, I think you're right. A lot of uh, the money that BCRF has put in over the years have made significant, significant impacts to our treatment in our lives, which we are very grateful for. You mentioned when you were talking about the possibility that on the off chance, sometimes this happens, that a particular grantee who perhaps has a clinical trial and accruals are not happening at the rate that they are looking to, to have them 
go. And so as a result, there's some issues around the design, perhaps, of how the trial was constructed. So I do have a question, proper diverse representation so that people of all of all backgrounds, and certainly we're very focused here on the podcast with our commitment to the hashtag inclusion pledge, which was led by the Tiger Lily Foundation. We are signatories or we are we have signed up for the inclusion pledge. So it, it's something we feel really strongly about here at the podcast. And so I'm curious, how is BCRF actually looking at those issues around, you know, racial inequities in healthcare? You know, specifically, there's some very stark numbers around the mortality rates, basically, of Black women over white women, which is quite frankly unacceptable. It's like a 40% higher mortality rate than than white women. And so I know it's really going to be, uh, it's going to be a big, huge team effort to really lift this issue up and to make sure that it's addressed. So I'd love to hear what, what, what you as a scientist and as a reviewer of these issues, how are you addressing it at BCRF, this particular issue? Right. So I think at BCRF, first, we are also signatories on to the Tiger Lily Pledge and have done that. And in fact, we uh, were just working in the last couple weeks on the quarterly uh, deliverables and, you know, putting that piece together for Tiger Lily. But I think in terms of BCRF and BCRF research, we have, I think, a couple priorities. So as a research foundation, that funds research to improve the lives of women with breast cancer. A piece of that has to then be that the research we fund will also do that. And so for breast cancer, that can go along two general areas. So there are the traditional socioeconomic issues with breast cancer disparities that can also lead to higher incidences of comorbidities that actually make breast cancer worse. But there's also biological disparities in breast cancer. So Black women are have a higher incidence of aggressive triple negative breast cancer. They have a higher incidence of a rarer aggressive breast cancer called inflammatory breast cancer. Mm -hmm. They have a higher than expected incidence of BRCA1 and BRCA2 mutations. Mm -hmm. And so along these lines, there is a significant amount of research, both funded by BCRF as well as out in the research community, that focuses on trying to understand these biologies. And they might not be biologies that solely impact African-American women, but they are biologies for which African-American with breast cancer are disproportionately burdened by these. And so understanding how to treat triple negative breast cancer, coming up with better treatments to overcome resistance to therapy for triple negative breast cancer will uh, have an impact on, on the lives of those, of those women. And so we have a, a, actually a very good research along the lines of biologies. So we have investigators who look at specific mutations um, and gene differences between African-American women and Caucasian women, and especially in this area of the more aggressive subtypes of breast cancer. And we have significant cohort that looks at therapeutics um, and novel therapeutics for these more aggressive subtypes of breast cancer. And certainly, you know, there's a whole line that goes with immunotherapy as well. And then along the line of socioeconomic 
issues. We do have some investigators, but this is an area where we need to expand our reach into those issues that result in issues of access and representation to care, but also to treatments. And then again, we do have a good investment in research that looks at again, from a biological standpoint, but at the interaction of these comorbidities that come about because of socioeconomic problems, but result in biological then changes that also interact with breast cancer. And so we have a number of investigators who look at the interactions between issues that come from diabetes, issues that come from obesity, Mm -hmm. um, that are interacting with breast cancer to make it worse and to make treatment worse and outcomes worse. So I think that what we have though is an opportunity to really go out and try to expand our investment in disparities research and especially in the areas of access and representation. All right, well, that's wonderful to hear. Thank you for giving that update. I think in a way uh, from your front row seat of new and novel and exciting new metastatic breast cancer research, what are you looking at uh, in terms of your focus for the year ahead at BCRF? So I think for our year ahead, we are focused on sustaining our investments in our research focus areas and in priority areas. I think it's important to know that science is science, And a good way to think about it is if you, if the various parts of breast cancer research were parts of a plane, which part of that plane would you not want to have on there and then have it take off? So I think within BCRF, certainly within our scientific advisory board and from my team as well, is the understanding that answers are going to come from many areas within research. And so while metastatic breast cancer research is one of our deep investments and priorities, really we want to continue to investigate breast cancer from A to Z, the entire spectrum, because there are so many interacting genes, interacting pathways, and collaborations that can come from people in different disciplines of breast cancer research that will ultimately move either or both areas forward at a pace that wouldn't happen if you were only doing that one. Mm. So Founders Fund, the metastatic breast cancer research there is clearly one of our continuing priorities, but I think our priority areas are to continue to investigate breast cancer from every aspect with the idea that the answers will come from all over. Do you, as the, does the advisory board actually try to balance out the research, researchers being funded across all subtypes? Or is it, is it really what looks most exciting, what looks like the best idea? And if that means we have five projects, research investigations in the HER2 space or the triple negative space and only one in the hormone positive space, that's okay because we're, it's, it's meeting our overall objectives. I'm just curious if you even take a look at that, at the balance, because of course, as we know, 80% of all, of all breast cancers are hormone positive, but the more aggressive ones 
have absolutely needed all of this focused attention. Anyway, I'd love to hear what, what, how the sausage is made or something. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so I think a couple things. I think, you know, estrogen receptor positive breast cancer, I think suffers from the fact that we were actually so good at coming up with hormonal therapies and that they worked um, and worked well for, for the most part. I mean, there, there are resistance to hormonal therapies and there are problems with that. And then today now we know that there are problems with late recurrences and that in fact, that many, not many, but that some subset of these ER positive tumors that were considered good prognosis are 15, 20 years later, um, now recurring. And because there was such benefit achieved early on from hormonal therapies, and as you say, triple negative breast cancers and HER2 breast cancers, so much more aggressive, there was a lot of focus put there. I do think there's still a need to be researching ER positive breast cancer and really looking at how do we prevent metastases, issues related to dormancy that clearly can be instituted by hormonal therapy and then what reactivates that dormant, those dormant cells 10, 20 years later to become a metastasis. And so without a doubt, that is the biggest group of breast cancer patients. And that is a big part of, of BCRF's investment in research. But one of the things I want to say is that so many, most if not all, of our research grants don't just focus on one area. So the actual research and the questions being asked cover multiple areas. And so, in fact, when I show our investment areas by research focus, um, they don't add up to 100% because one grant that's looking at novel treatments will be looking at how it works in the primary tumor, but then it will also be looking at how it works in metastasis. And so right there, you've covered both of those. Or it works, you know, looks at uh, risk prediction analysis that will then take you, which is, would be along the lines of prevention, but then will take you into defining targets for therapy. So, so many, um, if not all of our grants, don't just look at one area as it is and are already themselves um, multi-layered and focused in different, with different foci. But I think that if you look then at our investment priorities, that is why you see the deepest investments are in metastatic breast cancer, in therapeutics, because that covers all range of types of, of breast cancer, um, right. and in tumor biology, which is the you know, foundational biology focus on how does a breast cancer cell get started? How does it progress either to stay ER positive or move to be triple negative or, or HER2? And within that space, then all breast cancer really gets a, a very similar level of investment in, in research. I think the areas then where we have lower research um, investments and in a perfect world as we would be able to continue to raise funds and then expand those would be areas we'd want to now specifically look to expand are areas of prevention and areas of survivorship you know so many issues are 
instituted by having gone through chemotherapy or you know any kind of successful therapy and that is something for quality of life of breast cancer survivors that is still important to investigate and come up with ways to ameliorate those. And so those would be areas we could then increase our investment as well as the already discussed disparities, especially on the socioeconomic side. Yeah, thank you for that. Let's take a quick break in my conversation with Dr. El Ashri. I'm Christine the Senior Director of Patient Services and Education at SHARE. We believe no one should face cancer alone, and we offer nine virtual groups for women living with metastatic breast cancer, plus a TalkMets helpline, staffed by volunteers also living with MBC. Visit sharecancersupport.org or call the TalkMets helpline at 844-ASK-SHARE. That's 844-275-7427. Let's get back to our interview with the Chief Scientific Officer of BCRF. One important initiative of BCR, that BCRF is funding is the Aurora Program, and, and that's uh, the Aurora programs that aim to conduct precise molecular analysis of breast cancer metastases and of the primary tumor to better understand the evolution of metastases and the mechanisms of drug resistance that allow tumors to grow and spread. So what makes this particular initiative, and I'd love for you to describe it, because I, I think it's very exciting, and I just want to understand what makes it different from anything else that you're doing and, and why, did, why did the need for it seem to make sense for BCRF to, to, to fund it? Right. So I think, you know, at its very most basic level, metastatic breast cancer is the cause of virtually all deaths from breast cancer and for which there is no cure. And yet all therapies that are... Um, come up with and then tested are tested in metastatic breast cancer patients. Most of the research that has gone on for decades and that still goes on is on that primary cancer cell. What has changed in the cancer cell, what has been altered, what has gone wrong in the cancer cell, and what can we target in that cancer cell. And in fact, um, a groundbreaking series of work, which was the Trans Genome Cancer Atlas, or TCGA, which took primary, breast, primary cancers of many types, but breast cancer was one of them, and did a multi-platform analysis of mutations, gene expression, so that's at the RNA level, protein expression, that's the RNA gets made into the protein, um, at the key cancer known factors that were overexpressed or underexpressed, and therefore you might think it should do something or it would define a pathway that you should target. Um, and yet all of that was done in the primary cancer cells. And so for the breast cancer, the primary breast cancer cells. And then we try to treat metastases based on this knowledge. And so really the idea behind the Founders Fund and what the research that's being done and investigations done in Founders Fund are is to actually look at the metastatic breast cancer cells. So to do this same kind of multi-platform, multi-layer analysis on all of the molecular alterations in the cell, but on the metastatic breast cancer cell. Mm. And then compare that 
to the primary breast cancer cell. And by doing this, we can do two things. One, we know what we need to go after in the metastatic breast cancer cell. So what are the alterations and the pathways that are responsible for that metastatic cell doing what it does, right? Um, and then the other thing by comparing it to the primary breast cancer is we know what that path of, of alteration was. And ultimately, we may then be able to stop that path and then prevent metastases altogether. So the data that is going to come out of the Founders Fund, and already there have been updates both uh, last year at San Antonio for the Aurora US program, as well as at ESMO for the Aurora EU program. And these updates are coming out that are defining now key differences between metastatic breast cancer cells versus primary uh, breast cancer cells. But then with 10 years of treatment follow-up, we'll be able to see what was the effect of treatment on those alterations. Those will define treatment response and treatment resistance markers and pathways, perhaps. And then, as I said, ultimately, that data will be used to try to prevent metastases from ever occurring um, at all. And so it really is a transformational kind of both study, but also the, what the outcome and impact of it will be, because it is the first time really at this scale that the focus is on the metastatic breast cancer cell. And so the reason why you needed to have the Aurora project divided really between the U.S. and Can and not U.S. and Canada, but divided between the U.S. and Europe, is that because of laws related to tissue samples and that the inability of a researcher to tap into metastatic tissue in Europe, that they, if you're a researcher in the U.S., you can only utilize tissue samples that are metastatic tissue samples that are here in the U.S. and, and you can't go outside of that. It seems like almost global in scope, but I, I would love to hear more. Right. Yeah, no, I think it really is based on this idea of having a, an international and multi-investigator team attacking this problem from these angles at the scope that would bring about both data, but also impact in less time. So I think if either one had done it alone, it would take longer, as well as you, by having both the U.S. component and patients being treated at centers all over the U.S., and then the Europe component with patients being treated all over uh, centers at Europe, you do bring then this international and global, both effort, but also uh, scope of the data that is coming out of the investigations. So if you were a researcher based in Japan or somewhere outside of the Europe or the or Europe or, or the United States, would you be able to tap into any of this data or work in any way or is or not? So at this point, the way for researchers outside of both the US and uh, EU, but even researchers outside of Aurora's the Aurora themselves and the Founders Fund um, to tap into the data is as it's presented and in talks at mm -hmm. meetings, but also in publications. And both groups also have publications forthcoming on the, on the data analysis. But an overarching goal of the Founders Fund and one that we've been 
uh, working on for the last several months, uh, actually very intently with my team in BCRF and with um, the other teams of development and partnerships and communications at BCRF is how to move this data forward in a data sharing capacity. So first, uh, data share among the Aurora teams and investigators for quicker analysis, for deeper analysis, for raising new questions, but then beyond that to share outside of that so that other investigators can both query their research ideas within this data that exists, but also to hopefully then drive new areas of study that this data would take on to. And so that is something that is deeply in the works right now, and we hope to have up and running in within this next year. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Obviously, we all want the barriers to data sharing amongst you know, all cancer researchers, but metastatic breast cancer researchers, you want to be able to eliminate as many barriers as possible so that it can move as fast as possible. Uh, So that's wonderful to hear. I wanted to say, certainly Aurora, I'm certainly fascinated by it. I know a lot of people I've been talking to find this a really exciting new direction, but it's also been a banner year in metastatic breast cancer drug development, right? We've had six new drugs actually approved this year by the FDA, and that's, that's great progress in any case. So there's pockets of hope, and there's lots of good stories out there. But what are you finding beyond Aurora, or maybe it's even within Aurora, but I know there's so many things that BCRF is involved with in terms of your support of research. So What's the most exciting and promising thing within the roster of NBC-focused research right now? I think that would be around a couple areas. So without a doubt, the results and data that's coming out of Founders Fund and the Auroras. Um, Aurora EU just actually accrued their 1,000 patients a couple weeks ago and are almost done with the analyses of the first eight to 900 of these patients. And so um, a lot is going to be coming out on that uh, very soon. And I think that, without a doubt, as I've mentioned, is a highlight and an exciting area. I think some other exciting areas of metastatic breast cancer research are in the area of therapeutics. So new therapy areas. BCRF investigators have been involved in the research that led to these drugs receiving approval for metastatic breast cancer and are continuing then to investigate both those drugs as well as new areas of, of and types of drugs. Um, certainly one big focus is immunotherapy, both with current immunotherapy drugs and how to make them work better, but also with new ways of activating the immune system. And so I think that end of the day where we are today is women with breast cancer and women with metastatic breast cancer need treatments that will extend their lives. And so that is clearly a priority area and it is one that BCRF has been focused on and continues to be focused on. And then I think that beyond coming up with new therapies and better therapies to extend women's lives is then to understand how do we cure breast cancer. And again, those are the areas of therapeutic research, but also basic foundational biology research in metastatic breast cancer that is going on that I think will bring the highlights of tomorrow and how to prevent metastasis and ultimately cure breast cancer. What have you found the most frustrating area of inquiry with NBC-focused research? So I think that 
one of those areas is this idea that I brought up that so much of the data we had and so much of the investigation um, and knowledge we had was of the primary breast cancer mm -hmm. uh, cell. And so not that these kind of studies that are going on in Founders Fund have never been done. Certainly there were um, investigators who tried to use animal models where you could look at gene expression that was species specific and ask what was going on in the host versus the breast cancer cell as it metastasized. So there has been research along those lines, but Founders Fund, as I said, is the most global and largest scale effort to really do this in a way that has significance and power uh, to the data that will come out of it. And so I do think that that will ameliorate one of the frustrations or sticking points, uh, pain points, whatever you want to call it, in research, which is understanding the metastatic cell as it is. And then I think the other pain points um, in doing metastatic breast cancer research, but really it's not specifically metastatic breast cancer research. It's all cancer research, and probably all biomedical um, health research is issues of funding. And today, all, I think, research is in, is in peril. And so it's important to know that breast cancer doesn't stop and neither can we, and that research, the reason why we had a 40% decline in breast cancer mortality over the last 30 years, but it's also the reason why we have to keep doing research to achieve the benefit and impact on saving women's lives with breast cancer. Well, it's a great segue really into my next question, which is around fundraising. And I know that of your many, many, many different responsibilities that fundraising is not one of them, though talking about what, the, what things are being funded is part of your area of responsibility, but we're fascinated with some of the things that you're, that BCRF is doing that sort of really different fundraising approaches. And so what caught our eye was like this recent partnership with Equinox Gaming, and it was called, I think, Knockout Cancer or KO Cancer or something like that. And I know that there's, so I'd love to hear more about that. And then also really to let our listeners know, how can they support your organization, which is doing such fundamentally critical work for NBC Research. Right, right. So I think, you know, fundraising through gaming has been gaining traction over the last couple of years. This year, we're seeing so many platforms that are being used to fundraise for BCRF. Online gaming and live streaming are perfect socially distant activities since they can be done at home. So those that are looking to get involved through gaming can consider hosting a charity stream on Twitch. Mm. Guiltify or soft giving allow you to collect donations to support BCRF's research and breast cancer awareness. And you can do that all while having fun. Um, you can also visit our gaming page for resources and tips for hosting a successful stream. And if you're more of a traditional game night fan, you can pick an online board game like Monopoly or Scrabble or Settlers of Catan and recruit some friends to play after they've made a donation. But certainly if you visit our gaming page on the BCRF site, there'll be great resources and tips there. Other ways to raise money for BCRF, especially in these socially distant times, are you can do a DIY a race. And so many organized races and fitness events are being held virtually. So you can still sign up and participate, or you can opt to create your own personal challenge to fundraise for research. 
walk, run, ride, or swim a specific distance and reach out to your family and friends then to support that goal. And maybe your local gym is streaming virtual classes or hosting them with proper social distancing. So you could ask the manager of the gym if they would host a special fundraising class and then ask individuals to make a donation in order to join. Another way is to embrace milestones. You could ask for donations on your birthday, wedding day, or on special anniversary. Though many of us still aren't able to see our friends and family as much as or as closely as we really want, we can still collect donations for a good cause. And this is a great way to feel connected to them from afar. And then finally, I think you could go virtual. We've all become accustomed to seeing in-person events shift to online formats. You can do this with your fundraiser too. So video platforms, including Facebook Live, YouTube Live, and Zoom can make it easy to bring your community together online. And while you may have to do a little reimagining of what you might normally do, I think that this is an opportunity for those of us who want to do this to really use our imaginations and find ways to engage supporters from home. So you could host a virtual movie night, create a friendly online competition like trivia, or you could ask a local singer or band that you might know to give a virtual performance. Any and all of these would be great ways to still try to have an impact at fundraising for BCRF and for can breast cancer research um, in general. Well, I love all of that. It sounds, uh, I love the creative ideas. It sounds fantastic. So we will have in our episode notes, we'll have links to the specific fundraising pages so that people can go directly to there. And then of course, we're going to have links to all the great research initiatives that are also part of the BCRF website. So they can dig into learning more about Aurora and other things that you're funding. So I think that'll be terrific. So I have two final questions and uh, thank you so much for your, your time, but it's been a really isolating time during uh, the, this pandemic. As you noted with the fundraising options, we have to think creatively and outside of the box in our daily lives, but it's also really hard. It's hard for everyone's mental health. And so something that we're doing with every guest that comes on the pod is to really ask them how they're doing and how are they maintaining balance with their mental health and if they have any pro tips on what they do for self-care. So without a doubt, this has been a very challenging and very hard time um, uh, for everyone, certainly. For those who work and who have children and now have to deal with school, you can add additional layers on there. And I think those of us at BCRF are not immune to any of these. Certainly the challenges of what COVID has done to funding has increased all of our work and increased our impetus and, and feeling of having to do work. And I think sometimes working from home can lead to uh, lack of boundaries. And so I think that's an important thing for people to focus on as they are doing remote working and getting lots of work done to still remember that it's a work day and to, and to have those boundaries. And I think too that the other thing I would say is as much as you can, whether it's by having groceries delivered if you can't get out, or if it's by hitting up farmer's markets in a socially distanced way, is to keep getting fresh foods and you know produce and vegetables and all of that, and try to spend a little time 
cooking and uh, getting some therapy that way if that helps you or put some of that time from creating boundaries into working out and getting some exercise. Walking the dog is a good socially distanced way to, to get exercise and to really remember at the end of the day that every day is a day made up of your work day, but also of trying to take care of yourself. So what's your just got to share, Dr. El Ashri? I need to share that metastatic breast cancer is still one of the most important things that needs to be investigated and researched in the breast cancer research arena. 25 years ago, my aunt with two young daughters um, and at the age of 37 was diagnosed with de novo metastatic breast cancer. And she died less than two years after that and having spent almost all that time in continuous treatment. But in the last few months, we've lost a number of women and some of them young women from metastatic breast cancer. And this is 25 years later. And without a doubt, in these intervening 25 years, we've made progress. We've made progress at newer treatments. We've made progress at newer treatments that both extend uh, response times and also extend lives. But at the end of the day, women and many times young women are still dying from metastatic breast cancer. And one of the young women that died in June is actually the woman that my one grant in Minnesota is actually named for. And it was really actually gutting to have her die and to have her die before she could hear about the end results from the hat research because she was so excited about it but also to think back that you know it's been 25 years and this is still happening and so i just share that with the idea that as long as I'm Chief Scientific Officer of BCRF, that this will be a focus of BCRF. It will stay a major investment priority and research area for BCRF, and we will move that goalpost to ultimately not only extending lives of metastatic breast cancer patients, but stopping metastases from happening. Well, you can drop the mic on that one. Thank you so much, Dr. Alwashri. We're so grateful for your time. We really appreciate you coming on. Thank you. No, I, I think this is great, and thank you for doing it. This podcast is produced by me, Lisa Laudico, and our truly collaborative and expanding team of Jersey Baker, Pam Detterer, Natalia Green, Victoria Goldberg, Kirby Lewis, Sheila McGlone, Shante Randall, and Anne Woodward. Our executive producer is Christine Benjamin, Senior Director of Patient Services and Education at SHARE Cancer Support. Interning with us are Angelica Alberstadt, Elena Golub, and Amy Tedeschi. To Jake Amarelli for his social media consulting. And you can find more episodes of our NBC Life wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and look for a new episode every Monday and submit your Just Gotta Share moments, check out our blog and full episode notes on our website at rnbclife.org. We would love to hear from you.